Looking for something different? Looking to upgrade your wardrobe? Looking for something to express who you are? What you are? Where you come from? Look no further than Dante's Dawson. That's right. Owner of We Ain't Black, We Gold shirts. See Dante's for all the shirts and basically the wardrobe to make a statement. We ain't black. We gold. Precious. Priceless. And that's a bit. So with that being said, you can find Dante's on Facebook. Just search Dante's Dawson. Power in his name on Instagram. Real power in him on Twitter. Or simply just email him at Dawson at powerinhisname.com. That's right, Dawson at powerinhisname.com and order your We Ain't Black, We Gold shirts. It's time to make an upgrade. Hello world. The one and only, the Wolster is here. I am in the building. Bringing you a whole new episode on a whole new week for the I Am Woe podcast. Here on Anchor, amongst multiple other platforms you can find us on. But the most important thing is, listen, share. Listen, share. Do that for me. Matter of fact, if you go over to the Breaker app, which I know you may not be familiar with, but actually I kind of like it find I Am Woe or actually check out the Underground Sports Kings through Sports Edge and uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Once you do that, every episode when we drop, you will automatically instantly get a notification. So make sure you are tuning in to the Underground Sports Kings that consists of myself, that consists of Rose Moe, and definitely BT, that's Derek Taylor, and uh, Michael Kelly, Kells himself. Uh, but with that being said, on this week's episode of the I Am Woke Podcast, I have one of those four men I just mentioned. Uh, someone who's near and dear to my heart, like a brother himself. He is my kinfolk, though, my cousin. Uh, but, hey, man, that ain't separated us from nothing. But uh, he's also one-third of the end of his own sports show, which is right now currently on the hiatus. But nevertheless, holding it down, as always, the one and only Derek Taylor, DT is in the building. Say what's up to the people, man. Blessings, 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 God. What's happening? Man, it's good to see you, my brother. Yes, sir. Good to see you, bro. How you holding up during this uh pandemic virus here? Man, I'm 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 doing good, man. Just, you know, hey, I'm enjoying time with my family. Um, you know, getting to getting to catch up on some much needed reading that I've been doing lately. But you know, other than that, man, I'm I'm good, bro. I'm good. That's good, man. Uh that's good. I, let me tell you something, man. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, um, DT is one of the closest people to me. And um, we have, that's what, about a four-year gap between us? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but um, we we look at each other on the eye-to-eye level. Um, I look at him like he's my equal. I always have, man. Uh, I know that... This is somebody I can always count on, somebody I can always depend on, um, and somebody who's helped me open up more of who I am by being able to discuss more of what's in my head and what's in my heart. That's something that as black men, we're not encouraged to do, 
often and uh, can sometimes be emotionally crippling. Um, and I don't think people realize how much um, when your emotions have been crippled like that, how much it can weigh on you mentally. Um, it's a lot to go through process day to day, especially as you continue on your journey in this thing called life. And you start to add on more responsibilities, you know, those different caps that we spoke about uh, last week on Black Men Speak. Yes, shout out to the panel, Black Men Speak. That was a great episode. If you haven't, make sure you go back and check that out. Please go back and check that out. That was, that was a lot of fun. That's what that was. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But at the same time, we talked about some, some heavy topics. Yeah. We're going to do that again, though. We will have the panel back. Um... But no, man, I, I wanted to, to dig in with you, man. This is your time. I wanted to give you uh, a light, you know, so you can shine. Um, I know that things for you have, they've changed, I'll say that. Yeah, um, um, most definitely. Um, man, just life itself, you know, from growing up to, to who I am now. So many things have changed, man. You get a better understanding of yourself. You get a better understanding of situations. Um, but then, you know, it's also situations that make you who you are. Sometimes I think, especially us as men, we um, we hold so much in and we don't ever talk about anything. And one day we eventually explode, it seems like. But I'll be the first to admit to you like if you if nothing else man like even if even if you don't actually have somebody to talk to you can write stuff down man and make I mean talk to yourself that that's what it, that's you know that's what it will seem like <laughs> but just writing it down and seeing your words um seeing what you feel you know that's actually something I learned uh, my freshman year of high school, man, keeping a journal. Um, journal, there you go. Yeah, That's the just, you for. know, write, just like I said, just just writing. Um, and it, it does wonders for you. I will say that. Man, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, pen and paper is a, it's a craft that's been lost. Um, and I'm not talking about just rapping. <laughs> I'm just talking about just, you know, period. You know, everything's done through these cell phones. And sometimes... I believe it's a bit more intimate. Um, I saw a photo of on, on Instagram from Vanessa Bryant. And, you know, of course, today is her, her birthday. And is it today or yesterday? I can't remember exactly. But she found an envelope that Kobe left her. Apparently, it was just a random um, envelope that he just, it was no specific purpose behind it or anything like that. But he wrote her something and then also left a, it was, to me, it was a coincidence. Um, but he also had a picture painted where it was of her with angel wings on her back, which I think, you know, given the circumstances was amazing. Yeah. But it's, it was a letter he wrote to her. And I think that is one of, that's why I say it's more of an intimate in, um, because that's something that can't be erased. That's something that, you know, it shows that you really seriously took some time out to pour your heart into something that, you know, as long as you maintain the paper or whatever, it's permanent. You feel me? It's, 
I can keep that in, in, in my collector's items, you know, so, um, but no, I, I, we have to do that with ourselves. Um, that allows you actually to tap it. You know, when you texting, if you was to try to text, uh, you know, in a journal or, or write something in your phone, the phone, you damn just done. Or you may not save it properly and everything you wrote is scrambled. Or if your phone gets a virus, this is done. But it's not as intimate as, like I said, when you just put pen to paper and pour your heart out. Because at that... Because there's that, no deleting that. And at that moment, you're not really worried about anything else, you know. Um, I know there are people who, they'll even record, um, whether it's video or something like that, on their phone. And I'll say this in terms of that, like, a voice recorder, different. But when, you do, when you're doing, like, a video or something like that, man... I, me personally, I don't really care what anybody says. You you're going to be worried about other things, your what surrounding, you like, what you look like, yeah. what's going on. You know, as opposed to if you, even if you just did a voice recorder, man, like you know, just record what you might be feeling at that moment. But that, like you said, that pen and paper, you're like there. There have been times where I know me personally, man. I've just wrote, just just sat there and it's raw this, emotion. Yeah, just written as much. Written until, like, my hand just started hurting. Yeah, that was me taking notes in school. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's raw emotion, man. And that's where you, that's why I say there's no backspace. There's no delete button. There's no, cop, you know, select it all and clear it. It's whatever comes out is what's on that paper. And you really just go with whatever you, you're in at that moment, whatever's in your heart. Um, but I want you to talk to me, man. Um, because it's, here's the thing. I want to start back with, with, with childhood, man, where growing up, uh, you and I always had a bond, but I know you have siblings and amongst the three of you, I think that amongst the three of you, you were probably the more emotional one. Now you're more of the stoic one. Like you're, you, you have more balance. You're more locked in. And I think people kind of said the same thing about me, uh, when we were growing up. You know, I share, I show more emotion, but, um, what, what changed, what clicked for you, man, that I can't keep showing my true feelings about everything? Um, honestly, I think it's just understanding, uh, understanding the situations, you know, you'll get into certain situations, man, and you will realize you'll, you take the time to analyze the situation, you know. Is this necessary? Is this unnecessary? How should I approach this? What does what does this situation cause for? I'm I'm an honest person. Mostly everybody who knows me knows I'm I'm going to be honest. But there's a time and place even to be honest. Like, does the honesty need to be said right then? Does does this person need to hear this right now? What difference will it make? Um and in terms of my emotion, you know, honestly, I learned to check that because you see that there are people who will basically take advantage of that. Um, you know, when they when when people can play on certain emotions, um, key key example, I'm a person who does not like to disappoint. Um, I, I firmly believe and if you listen if you listen to the 
the uh, UGSK Sports Show, um, you you probably heard me say that as a man, you are to keep your word. Nothing yeah. else, you got to keep your word. Yeah. And when people know that, it's almost like they can or will find a way to use that against you. Hey, Take you your kindness. Right. You didn't do this, so well remember this type. You know, you you always said this, and you know, like I said, at, at at points, man, you realize how things are going. You say, you know what? I need to step back. Um, every you don't have to show people everything so quick or so much. If it, I if I read what you're saying correctly. Um, you learn not to trust so easily. Like I, I, like, you know, I, for instance, we have a connection. We have a an established trust between us and you know, any given time, I right, look, I need to give it to you raw. I'm gonna give it to you raw. That's, that's not something you need to even, even need to really explain with me. Right. You just gonna deliver. Um, if the trust has been questionable or jeopardized or you know I can't fully rely on you in this moment to be able to handle everything I can't just be myself I can't let everything go um I I think was there ever a point that somebody ever really just or, or did it, did it, is that what it took what got you to that point was trust was broken at one point uh most definitely um Previous situations will say that, you know, you trust some, you trust someone to, and it, it can be, it can be something big and be something small, um, at least to them, to you, if I'm trust to, to me, if I'm trusting you, then it's going to always be something big. And when I see that that's abused, yeah, it, it, it kind of gives you, it kind of gives you this feeling of, okay, you know what, not just. I can't trust you is also like you have that moment of who can I trust? Um, And from experience, I can tell you when you get into that space, that's when things can really become a little dangerous because I'm a hold back from everybody now. Like I'm not going, I'm not going to talk to this. I'm not going to talk to nobody about nothing unless is, you know, we can, we can have a conversation, man, chop it up about two, you know, any old random thing, but when somebody when it's time to get deep, I'm gonna stop talking. And that right there, um, I know you, you not, you don't hesitate to hide that point. Like that's that comes out very easily. I know you'll open up and you'll talk to any and everybody, but when the the conversation turns deep, if it's something that if trust hasn't been established, I've seen that in you, and I know I recognize it in you because I've done it myself. Uh, I don't do gray areas. And, and I'm black and white with everybody. And if I trust you, I rock with you, you know, you have that access to me. You have the access to some of the most vulnerable parts of me. If I don't, you won't get that access, period. There's nothing you can do to pry me open with that. Um, because the last thing you want to have happen, and I know when we were labeled the emotional children, is to bring something to somebody that's considered important to us. And no matter how small, it's the fact that I trust you, that I can pour myself out to you and expect that you're going to, you know, hear me out and understand me. But when it gets dismissed, shoved to the side, or you're looked at as if you're being ridiculous. Right. You know, it'll make you go, you know what? 
Don't worry about it. I'm good. And that, what you just said, that comment, man, that's the that's probably the most hurtful thing. When a person responds to you as if you're overreacting or you taking it too far, it's like, okay, I, I thought I thought this was a conversation me and you can have, but if if that's how you feel about it, like I'm tripping, you know what? Nah, I ain't got to talk to you about it. Go ahead. You you good? Well, we gonna pause right there, man. We uh we got things started. I think we got the uh the wheels turning here. Uh, again, it's the IMO podcast. It's your host Dwayne Sutton, and I got DT in the building with me, Derek Taylor. And uh, don't go anywhere because when we get back, we are gonna get deeper off into it because right now we haven't established trust. So don't go anywhere. Things about to get very interesting. Stay tuned. Man, that chicken sandwich was so good. I'm so full. Full? You went to Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Which one? Popeyes? Chick-fil-A? Hell no. I went to Big Mama's. That's right. He went to Big Mama's and so can you. Just make sure you go stop by your local grocery store. Pick up a pack of chicken, preferably boneless. Take it to Big Mama's house and watch the magic happen. Seasoned properly, fried to perfection, served on a nice piece of white bread because you know it's all that Big Mama keeps. Check the pantry, the back of it, for whatever condiments aren't expired, and enjoy yourself at Big Mama's. Where Big Mama's located? Big Mama's everywhere. Just make sure you don't forget that. Tell them Wolf sent you, and don't forget the hot sauce. Hello, hello world. We are back here, segment two. Yaya and Wolf podcast. Still got DT with me. Say what's up to the people, man. Going on, what's going on? Man, if y'all don't know, man, y'all have got to reach out. Where can they find you at on, on, on social media? All my social media platforms, man, is TaylorBoy02. That's IG, that's Facebook, that's Twitter. Um, and of course, y'all can always catch me on UGSK Sports Show, man. Y'all hear me, you hear me on everything that got to do with my cousin, man. <laughs> everything that got to do with cousin. Y'all make sure y'all listen, shake. Listen and share. Tell somebody. Talk to somebody. Say, yo, I know some people that do a good sports show, man. I know somebody do a a, a good little uh, podcast, man. Listen to this. Just talk to people, man. That's all it is. Communicate. That's it. That's it. Um, And I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. You know, y'all don't know, man. This is my rider right here, man. Uh, I'm rocking. He rolling. I definitely appreciate you. Man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but again, I am more podcast back here on Anchor. And man, this is all about you. Um, I want to get into something. We uh, were discussing trust. We were discussing um, being able to pour into someone and, and, and actually feel rejection uh, or being dismissed. Um, but I, I know that you're a man who, at the age you're at now, uh, you've gone through life, you've learned quite a bit about yourself because you, you do believe in self-awareness. Um, I believe, you know, in this being made, 
um, the month of mental health. Let's let's get into that a little bit um, and see if we can connect those dots um, we previously discussed. But being self-aware, you have officially you have a term for which the cards you've been dealt with. What was diagnosed Um, I realized when I was younger, um, I suffered from depression. Um, it actually is something that I, I really found out when I was in eighth grade, man. Um, you know, there was there were things that went on around me that honestly it was just you know I, I found I found ways to deal with stuff, and as I looked at it, it was kind of like why. Um, not, like I said, when I was when I was in eighth grade, uh, you know, you, you start seeing you start seeing friends who are here and friends who are there, the stuff that they into. Um, you start for, for me, I kind of realized that you know certain attention that this person was getting or that person was getting, I wasn't getting. Um, and honestly, most people who know they know I was very good at very good at baseball. Actually, when I hit ninth grade, um, I got injured, and when I could not really play baseball, man, I didn't know who I was. That's all I had ever done, um, and I'm not gonna say that was the start of the depression, but it most definitely aided into me going into a deeper depression. I didn't really have, um, I didn't have anybody to talk to at least that I felt. Um, crazy thing is, when I, I hit high school, man, I literally had probably my entire family at Osborne High School. And I say my entire family, my brother is a senior, my sister is a sophomore, I got two cousins that's freshmen, I got another cousin that's a, a junior, I believe. Um, my now brother-in-law Chris was a junior. You know, he was a junior. I think I had one or two cut another one or two cousins that was a sophomore. So, like, family, deep. man, deep. Like my freshman year, first semester, dude. I want to say almost all of us, except for two or three of us, had lunch together. Like so, <laughs> when I say, like, like I said, when I say, man, we were everywhere. Like we were everywhere, but yet there were there were times where I just felt I, I didn't feel that I had a connection with even my family like that. My, you know, I got, I have a, I have an older brother, have an older sister. And yet it was, it was this thing of like, I'm not where they are. Always, always felt like that. And it kind of, you know, it, as it progressed, as I got older, you know, the people I tell him now, man, God bless my my best friend Xavier or yeah my best friend Xavier Mary man I love him to death and he he's the person rather he knew it or not without even without even really doing anything he really helped me through a lot just because I could always <clears throat> always lean on him no matter what you know you talking about somebody that stayed in the same neighborhood as me I can walk to his house I stayed there so much to where I remember one summer, man, my father actually called down and was like, yo, 
Can y'all ask Derek if he planning on coming home? Like <laughs> that that's how much I was there. And it was like just just be, being being there. Whether we talked about anything or not, it just it just helped. It was your safe space. Yeah. Now, um, no, I'm glad you, you got into that, man. Um family is big. I um now let's make it known. <clears throat> Osborne High School. Um Yes sir. What part of oh, Georgia folks. is this? What part of Georgia is this? Man, that is Marietta. All right, so now we're not talking about in some rinky dink town. I'm not, excuse me, no insult to that because yeah, if you don't know, the bloodline of us runs deep in Rankin County, Mississippi. Um, but it's not a small place with population of 1,100 people. Oh no, I'm talking about it's it's not, and that's very common to go to school with. You know, when you have smaller populated places, it's very common to go to school with other family members. You're talking about in Marietta, which is. It's the heart of Cobb County, man. Like, and for those who don't know, if you go back ninety nine all the way to two thousand, well, I'm not even gonna say ninety nine. It might we can go back to probably about ninety six, all the way to about two thousand six, man. Cobb County, there were NBA stars who moved their kids into Cobb County to play at a Cobb County school, whether that was. Marietta High School, Campbell High School, Wheeler High School, um, Walton. The all these schools are in Cobb County, and you're talking about a like I say you're talking about a very very big area. But to have that many family members at one school, and like That's I said, you ain't talking about you're not talking about a a county that got like four <laughs> schools. Like nah, Cobb County is huge. That's uncommon. That's why I said so. It's it's a blessing to be in that kind of situation, that environment. But even still, with that much around you, you still had moments where you just felt isolated, huh? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, back to, to like what I was saying earlier, it was what actually helped me a good little bit then is when I realized, okay, I was not really going to be able to play baseball. That's actually when I found out that I could write. Um, I started writing. I started writing poetry when I was in ninth grade. Um, and you know, some of it was, some of it was uplifting. Some of it was nice. And then there was some of it that nobody has actually even read. And it was like, you, if you read it, you would be like, Oh my God, (laughs) I want to, I want to ask you something. Um, because when you're going through and you're starting to figure yourself out, um, you eventually find a way to. You need that safe space, but you also need a a, a vice, if you will. Um, I know I had a lot going on with myself mentally that I didn't quite understand. I had a lot of frustration that built up that I couldn't necessarily express, didn't know how to express. And the first time I put a bottle to my lips, like I actually drunk, I was 14. Um, and that was also the same year I smirked, I smoked my first blunt, you know, uh, for those who are not familiar with the term, that is considered marijuana, uh, Mary Jane, AKA that green stuff, or, <laughs> you know, if you was in the A around 2001, it was perp. Um, <laughs> but now, uh, that was, that was my, and, and, I actually smoked a little cigar that was referred to as Black and Miles. Um, I had a partner in crime, man. She was um, 
somebody when things would get hot and heavy for me uh, at home in my, my what was considered my safe space, that was my go-to. I give her a call. She comes scoop me. We go hit a park. We smoke a pack of blacks. And I come back home and I'm better. You know, I'm calmer. I've gotten stuff off my chest. Or I found somebody who could relate to me. Um, but that was my vice. I actually had it bad probably by the time I was 17. Um, just that was the only time I actually came home and was caught extremely intoxicated. <laughs> like I'm not going to even use the word drunk. I was extremely intoxicated. Um, like I said, I just did not know how to express what I was going through. And I, um, I found myself in the people around me, but at the same time in, in my vices, that was how I was able to remain sane. What, if any, were vices for you or what was your safe space? I know you said Xavier was your safe space, but did you have any vices? Um, yeah, cause when <clears throat> things got, I think things got probably worse when my brother actually graduated. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, my brother graduated in 2001, man. And, you know, now going into my 10th grade year, he's there, but he's not there. Um, it got even worse. Now, the, the crazy thing is, it's not like I talked to my brother like that. But the fact that he wasn't there for me to talk to just really made it worse. It was um, just comforting knowing he was there. Right. Right. Um, so... I had a, kind of like you, you know, my first time, my first time drinking eighth grade, my first time uh, smoking, I think I was, I also think I was in eighth grade. Um, at one point, which I want to say it was probably the summer of either my ninth grade or my 10th grade year, I think I literally spent in what seemed like an entire summer literally just getting high. Um, yeah. And... Yeah. What I found out later, honestly, was that in that in that whole time, um, it was me trying to escape. I was trying to get I was trying my hardest to run away from anything and everything that had to do with what my current reality was. And now, mind you. Where most people would probably <clears throat> see my situation, hear about my situation, like, you know, what problems? Like, what can you what can you possibly have to, you know, be angry about, sad about, upset about? Because, you know, you're talking about a person that had both parents in the house, both parents in the house. My parents have a wonderful marriage. Um, I tell people all the time, I was, I would say all of us was spoiled growing up, man. My father was very much so of, you get up and clean up on Saturday, you can do whatever you, you want, want to Saturday yeah. night. I give you money to I give you money to go wherever you want to go. I will take you or I will pick you up, but I'm not going to do both. But other than that, he didn't care. If his if his house was clean at one o'clock in the afternoon, what you want to do? Where you want to go? It didn't matter. Um, Shout out Uncle Dave, man. But it was, like I said, when when I, even now, when I think, just think about those, 
you know, those summers, I realized like, yeah, I was trying to escape from something. And what my reality was, was not feeling, I didn't feel like I was, um, enough. Uh, I go back to probably my ninth grade year, my fresh, freshman year, first semester, man, I never forget it. You know, I, a kid who never, I never had great, um, grades like that you know I, I did okay I, I, I didn't it's not like I was failing classes and stuff like that I know now really what it was <laughs> ironically enough was I didn't really agree with the stuff I was being taught found that out <laughs> a little bit later another topic another yeah, <laughs> another yeah, day but yeah. yeah um you know but I remember my first semester man I I brought home all A's and it was the first time I had ever had all A's in my life like I was excited and to not receive, I guess, the response that I thought I would get put me in a place of, well, hell, if y'all don't care, I don't care either. So, you know, whatever. And right then it was, you know, like my education didn't even seem like it really mattered to me after that. Like I did enough to make sure, did enough to make sure I, I passed and didn't get in trouble. Like that was now, it. Let me let me let's be clear. Um, because I know people are gonna say, well, a lot of this stuff happened when you were young, or you know, even with me mentioning my stuff, they'll think, well, y'all were young, you know, you really didn't know what you were feeling, you were just a ball of confusion. Uh, you know, it's not that serious, yeah. That the thing we have to stop doing is dismissing the feelings of people just because of their age. Like what I've learned to do because I'm a father now and I have children. Um, even when they were two and three years old, I've always encouraged my children to speak and tell me what they feel, what they think, because that's so important. I learned to do that because those things weren't always encouraged or welcomed in my home. Um, as long as I was able to function and keep going about doing what I was supposed to do, whether it was works, I mean, whether it was schoolwork, whether it was my extracurricular activities with sports, anything like that, or um, uh, my commitment to the church, whether it was in the choir or whatever it may have been. Um, long as I was able to continue doing that, nothing seemed out of order. But I was able to function even with dealing with what I was going. And what I've come to find out later on, of course, is I had bad, I call, we called it bad nerves. But it was anxiety. And um, when the anxiety gets, you, you you don't know what triggers it. Um, you don't really know where to go, who to trust, what to do. All you're trying to do is find a way to just calm down. And uh, everything in the world can irritate your soul. So all I knew was just try to find a way to function. Try to find a way to keep moving so people wouldn't recognize something's wrong with you. Um but I say all that to say this. Um, we it's this is not a what he's saying is not a knock on uh, his parents. They weren't bad parents or anything like that. It's just especially when you're in the house where there are multiple people in it. Sometimes situations can get overlooked, and if you're not taking to the initiative to create that safe space for your children, they may not necessarily think it's there. Um, but that's not a knock on you as a parent. 
Um, it's just that's the way things were done. 80s, 90s for us, and it could have been before then, which is learn habits. We're learning things differently now, which we'll get into a little bit later. But I wanted to ask you, man, um, real quick before we take another break, though. Where was, we know where your safe space was, but I, I definitely want to know, all right, we understand the vices and how you, you got to where it was. The seriousness of whatever it is you were battling, where did that really, the, the origin of it start? Um, it go like I said, it goes back to, uh, my, the feelings I had towards the people that were around me, the people I were closest to my, my brother, my sister, um, some, a uh, few of my friends to, you know, for those who have siblings, man, we, we know you, you know, you, you might say certain things, your younger brother, your older brother, your younger sister, your older sister. And we never really, we never really stopped to think, you know, what type of effects those have, you know, it might have on those people. Um, but growing up kind of always being like outcasted by my siblings. Um, you know, when I was, when I was growing, when I'm growing up and I'm in fifth grade, you know, my brother's in eighth grade, my sister in sixth grade. I want to go in my brother's room and see what they talking about. And it's a, man, yeah. watch out. This is a, this a middle school thing. Okay. So, you know, get in middle school and it's like, well, I can talk to y'all now. Nah, this is a, this is such and such thing. You waited all that time to get to that level. Man, I never forget when I got to high school. Um, you know, of course, you when I'm in eighth grade, my sister's in ninth grade. My brother's in 11th grade. And they in their room talking. And they, I go in there and it's, man, it's a high school thing. In my mind, I always said to myself, like, can't wait to I can't wait to next year. All of us gonna be in high school. You can't use this one no more. So I never forget it, man. I went in there. They were they were talking about something. So I I'm, I come in the room. My brother like, man, hey, get out, man. We talking. What, man? I'm in high school now. You can't say it. my brother. And I never forget it. My brother looked at my sister. He looked at me. Then he looked at my sister. And he was like, this is an upperclassman thing. And I was like, oh. Okay. Always found a way to get you. right. I just it, it was it was always a way to be like, almost like you don't belong. Pause right there, man. Um, uh, because I'm glad you hit that. Um, but we're we're definitely gonna pick this up. We are definitely gonna wrap up segment two. Again, this is the IMO podcast. Host Dwayne Sutton here. We got DT, Mr. Derek Taylor, in the building. And when we come back, man, we're gonna definitely dive finish off the show uh, by diving into diagnosis of depression and uh we want to find out how that affects you now that your father and a husband yeah so don't want to wait stay tuned looking for something different looking to upgrade your wardrobe looking for something to express who you are what you are where you come from look no further than Dante's Dawson that's right, owner of We Ain't Black, We Gold shirts. See Dante's for all the shirts and basically the work to make a statement. We ain't black, we gold. Precious, priceless, and that's a bit. So with that being said, you can find Dante's on Facebook. Just search Dante's Dawson. Power in his name on Instagram. 
Real Power in Him on Twitter, or simply just email him at Dawson at powerinhisname.com. That's right, Dawson at powerinhisname.com and order your We Ain't Black, We Gold shirts. It's time to make an upgrade. Hello world. Segment three, we about to take off. And uh hopefully we're gonna find a safe place to land with this thing. But uh we are back here on the IMO podcast. It's your host Dwayne Sutton. I got DT with me. Say what's up, man. What's up? Yeah. And uh we digging in, man. We we learned a bit a bit more about you. You know, I think the people need to understand and know, you know, especially with you being a part of. Uh Really, both of the podcasts, man. They just need to know who it is and, and that's, that's doing the talking, man. The man behind the mic. So, uh, but I think it's, it's really meant that it can help someone else who may be struggling with mental health, uh, with trying to find what they call a safe space to just be themselves and open up. And I want to applaud you, man. I appreciate you being here doing this because it takes a big person to do this, man. No problem, man. You know, Knowing that there are people out there, man, um, who suffer from, especially, you know, depression, anxiety, the PTSD, man, I'm, I'm one of those people who, you know, I say I'm a functioning depressant, man, like, I have, I mean, honestly, I have walked around for years without people knowing anything, like, there's going to be some people who hear this show and be like, oh, you know, he was, he dealt with depression. Well, like, I'm glad you yeah. mentioned it, um, because... We, we, we brought up, you know, the origin of the, the, the makeup that is you. Um, because if you don't know, man, the man that you are, you know, the people, for people who are who are listening and, and really still need to learn more about you, the man that you are today is not who you used to be. I know you've been through some things, but again, self-awareness is your, that's your thing, man. That's, that's something that you've, you've grown into. And um, I've watched God mold and create a man that is on a mission. If y'all don't know, man, you gotta pay attention. Derek Taylor is the voice of the people. Uh, and I'm talking mainly people of color. <laughs> our people. Not mainly. Yeah. yeah our people. <laughs> I try to speak for and speak to. And I'm black, y'all. Yeah. And I'm black, y'all. <laughs> and I'm black and he black. No. Hey. <laughs> I try to speak to and for those of us who are black, man, because you know, we live in a society, man, where we don't ha- we don't have a voice. We don't have a voice unless, you know, we don't have a voice basketball. until we either either unless we making millions of dollars from rapping or sports or uh, acting, or we don't get a voice until somebody done shot some shot us dead. And now everybody want to know about what happened to this person. Who was it? Why was he so important that they right. had to kill him? Um, but no, um, like I said, we got into the part about your childhood, the origin stories. You are now 33? Yes, sir. All right. Four and you are now a husband and father. Yes, sir. Um, so as a man who is a husband of, how long have you been married now? 12 years, man. Man, years. first of all, that, that shows type of character of a man you got married at 21 and y'all have made it 12 years in um that's a blessing in itself 
at the same time, um, you are now a father of one. Yes, sir. Um, little Destiny. A little baby girl. Uh, Destiny Rose. <laughs> Destiny Rose Taylor, man. She's four years old. I know some people. I don't. I don't know if some people don't like it when I say it. If they see it as me bragging or whatever, but like, nah. I'm, my my daughter is four. I've been married twelve years. So. I married the woman I wanted to marry. It wasn't no, you know, oh, well, she was pregnant or it, it wasn't no, yeah. it, I mean, it is, like I said, I, I know, I'm not saying it to say, to, to talk down on those who have done it or whatever. It's, you know, everything happens for a reason and everything happens in, in a certain time. But yeah, like I said, my, my daughter is four. I've been married 12 years and, you know, just, always me and my wife talked about this before like when she gets of age the story of her name is going to be a a wonderful story and I think it's going to be something that's going to really resonate with her and it's going she's going to hold on to it and I think that that the story in itself will be will be something that makes that makes her go on to do great things because uh you know, quick little background without going too much into detail for those who don't know. Um, as far as we knew, my wife was not supposed to be able to have kids. Um, we had we had setback after setback. I'm pretty sure those of you who have had it understand what I mean by setback. But um, one, of our, one of the last ones was really bad. We were actually on the road at the time. And I'll never forget it, man. We were in New Mexico and we had been we had been traveling, um, get to New Mexico. My wife is having, you know, she's having some pain. So we I take it to the emergency room. Um, the doctor told her, you know, just if I remember correctly, I think he told her, you know, she she was having like uh some like severe gas pains. Like she might have been constipated or something like that. Mr. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, I'm a I'm a prescribe you now. At the time, we we know based on the fact that you know her oh, cycle has not come. So okay, she got to be pregnant. So I asked the guy. I said, you know, um, so you did check. You you said she is pregnant. You guys checked that had, had that done. Um, is the baby okay? He said, yeah, baby is fine. Um, so he writes out prescription, whatever, whatever. We leave. Again, like I said, we're driving at the time, so we're in a sprinter van. I go to the truck stop where we sleep. My wife is asleep, and I'm in the front seat, and she calls up to me and says, Derek, we need to go back to the hospital. I said, why? What's wrong? She said, we need to go back to the hospital. I go back, and by the time we get in there, the doctor comes in and says, well, ma'am, you're having a active miscarriage right now. Um, it was very Physically, it was very painful at that very moment. Um, and I still remember after everything was done, he came in and said, you know, you guys will, you know, she has a fibroid and it's a big one. You will not be able to conceive until you get that fibroid taken care of. So it's a double blow. Right. So now, because my wife is in pain, I have to drive from New Mexico all the way to Atlanta because I can't keep her out on the road. Um, and I, I, we finally get back home 
And uh, thank God to them, actually. I love them dearly for this. Your parents were actually there. Um, and I remember, man, I, I was so... I was so hurt, so distraught. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to see anybody. But we got there, and your father called us downstairs and said, Janet, lay on this couch. And your father, your mother, my mother, my father, me, we sat there and we prayed over Janet um, for, a good, for a good minute. Good minute, man. And... Lo and behold, after some, you know, months go by, whatever, Mother's Day rolls around. Now, mind you, when this happened, this was over the summer. So the following year, Mother's Day rolls around. Mother's Day, of course, is very hard for a woman who has had, you know, these things happen. So I decide, you know, hey, I just want to I just want to find a way to kind of take your mind off, off of it. Of it. Um, we go we went out. We, you know, did whatever just to just to kind of get her mind off of it. Fast forward two, three, two months, I think. My niece's birthday party <laughs> journey. Janet is at the she's at the she's at the party and she's doing uh makeup for all the like face paint for all the kids. And I kept noticing while she's sitting there, like she something seemed wrong with her. And she like, it's just she she's sitting there, she's like, it's so hot. It's hot, it's hot, it's hot. I'm like, it's not really hot in here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh Man, we like I said uh, that that night she we get home and she's you know she was sitting there and she goes, Derek, I think I'm pregnant and I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> now of course you have the moment of excitement, but when you've been through when you've Same been thing. through this right, it's like you have that feeling of oh okay, um, all right, so you don't, I don't want to get to I don't, right I don't know how to how happy to get or whatever um you know long story long man my 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 daughter comes everything is fine um she she's here and is the ironically enough people will tell you she is the happiest child ever how that happened with me and her mama, I don't know. She is the complete but, <laughs> but I love that. I, I will I say, love that girl. Man, more. I say this, uh, fellas, when I tell you. Taco baby, Uncle Wayne loves you, baby. <laughs> fellas, when I tell you that if you keep your woman happy through them nine months, I'm telling you, this is this is what you will have. My, Janet never, she never cried about anything, at least that came from me. Um, we only did happy stuff. We only watched sports and seen happy movies. When she wanted something in particular, I, I was always there. And this child comes out happy as you could possibly be. That's great. That doesn't always work, but that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, man, I do. I did want to ask you this, man, because uh, we got less than five minutes to go left in the show. Um, that's great that you know. From all the thorns and rolls, you know, from the dirt, the rose sprung up, you know, and um, that's a blessing. But at the same time, like I said, man, your father, your husband, and a man who deals with depression, how does one function? I know you say you're functioning depressive. How are you able to function? Because that's one thing we did speak about on Black Men Speak. Um, even with everything that's going on in life, you cannot be inactive in your everyday role right like you're, there's you no checkout time. many hats <laughs> so you have responsibilities 
how are you able to function in the state that you that, that comes and goes uh, and you never know when that's going to happen, but you are able to still tend to your responsibilities? Well, the, the key to that is knowing, um, as we said earlier, is knowing your triggers. You know, um, my family is one of my triggers. Another one of my triggers I didn't actually speak about uh, before is my appearance. Um, it's the way I look being. You know, um, I'm not tall, so I'm a I'm a short guy. Then I'm kind of I'm, I'm of size. We so. are our average height. We are not going to let that no. S word sit on five nine. <laughs> Women, y'all gonna stop telling us five nine men we short. Hey. When you like five two, if I'm short, they make you itty bitty. Well, we nothing to do this here. But like I said, when you know, when you know your triggers, man, um, I know you know with my family how things can go. I know with the way I look, how things can go. So what I try to always do, man, is number one, I do some type of exercise. I do some type of, you know, something moving right now, even though people trying to figure out like, what can you do to stay active, man? I walk, I walk four miles a day. Um, my biggest thing, and I cannot, I cannot preach on this enough. I meditate. I meditate, I meditate, I meditate. Um, God bless him. A uh, gentleman that I met a while ago, man, his name is uh, I, his name is Mr. Charles. The information that he he laid on me and the stuff that I found out, um, information that I've read, man, it when I say it allowed me to see myself in a different light, um, I cannot... I cannot thank him enough for for what he did. And it helps me so much now to where like I said through through meditating, through really just my wife and my child, man. Um to to wake up to a beautiful woman every morning, to have a child run down there eight, eight thirty, whatever time she wake up and you know, I'm here to cuddle. Like that's that's what she does. Every that's morning. the she comes, that's the most adorable announcement hey, in the world. <laughs> she come she come and knock on the door every morning. Cuddles cuddles like that's what she wants to cuddle for 15, 20 minutes with mommy and daddy before she goes and do anything else. Um, that's beautiful. That those those things, man. Like I have I have the right the right people around me, but now I have the right mindset. I'm not telling you that I don't wake up sometimes and I'm just not feeling it. I depression is a that is a Ongoing constant battle. thing. You will you can you can wake up on Monday morning, man, on top of the world. You wake up Tuesday morning and you under it. That's that's how it goes. It's finding it's finding light in every situation, even when things are bad. Like when I'm when I'm not feeling it, man, I can just go sit around my daughter and she she'll say something. I I love the way she touches my face and say, "Daddy, smile. Daddy, be happy. Daddy, I want you to be happy." When, we take that as being antagonized when someone of age or you know people around us who who we look at as um, we look at as our peers or whatever when they say it to us, we feel like you're you're, you're poking at us when you smile. Do this like you can't tell me, but when she's four. Yeah. And has the innocence that she has. <laughs> yeah. And you know that that's really just 
I see something's wrong and I just want you to be happy. Right. And she like she does she doesn't know what's going on. All she knows is daddy ain't smiling. I don't know why daddy ain't smiling, so daddy smile. And she she grabs both sides of my face and kisses, kisses, kisses. <laughs> smile, daddy. And man, that that in itself, like when you have that and then have, you know, for me I have a wife who will come to me and say you know, hey, I don't know what's going on, but it's going it's, it's gonna to be okay. That's your communication that we've been talking about, people. So the communication, man, and, and uh, the support to be in the right environment. Um, but you have a determination to keep fighting. That's the biggest thing. Most definitely. Um, I, I got to tell you, I think the competitive spirit that it relies, you know, that lies in you is what's going to always create a, a situation for you to continue to fight. Uh, refuse to lose and give up on anything. Uh, but at the same time, man, uh, knowing your triggers is big and then just having the right system around you. Um, but I encourage anyone and everyone who's listening, um, find that. Find your balance. Find your peace. Like you said, meditation, um, reading. But you, you've got to find a way to keep yourself in the game. Again, as a father, as a husband, uh, as a sibling, a son, you have people around you that you have to remain active in their lives, even when you're dealing with what you're dealing with. So I encourage you and imply all of you to uh, find what works for you, but continue to continue, continue to fight, um, especially black men, because again, I know we don't always receive that encouragement. We don't always receive that uplifting moment uh, that, we, that we may need, that push. Uh, but you'll get it right here. Uh, I definitely want to say again, thank you to Derek Taylor, man. Uh, last words for you, man. What you got? Um, for, those of, for those of us who actually do you know, have those issues, like we said earlier, you have to know and find your triggers. Know, know the things that kind of get you into that mood, know the things that, you know, upset you, know the things that tend to bother you. And whether we all know it or not, we have, we all have somebody. I, you know, I know this now as an adult, as a kid, I didn't know it. And honestly, it led me down a very, very dark road. So um, know your triggers and know that you have somebody you can talk to, man. And I don't care if that's that's somebody you related to or even the depression hotlines, the suicide hotlines that they have, you know, find somebody you can talk to and, you know, never, never, ever, ever give up. Never, ever give up. I may even throw in one more and then we're going to get out of here, man. But um, knowing when you have been triggered and you're in the wrong headspace. Um, if people are expecting you to be around or come around or communicate, if you're not in the headspace to do so, it's okay. But just make sure you say that so you don't come off as being an a-hole or flat out just um, just completely disconnected. You you know, it's okay to say, I'm not in a good place right now. Or something has triggered me. I need to tend to myself while I get myself straight, because I don't want to make or mess up anything for anyone else. Or, you know, it's it's okay to just at that point in time say no. Especially when people ask you. Matter of fact, it's it's recommended. Say 
know or say I'm not right right now. Or I'm not good. It's okay. But don't just, like I said, become inactive and isolate yourself. Um, because that is the quickest way to lose those that you love. Um, if you're anything like me, it only takes one time really for me to get rubbed the wrong way for my taste really starts to sour on people. You know, um, all I ask is for complete honesty and transparency. And I, I'm sorry, let me say this one last thing. For, for those who are around the people who do suffer from depression um, or anxiety or whatever, I actually heard something the other day uh, from, uh, I believe it was T.D. Jakes. My brother actually shared it. Um, if you're one of those people who have a friend, a family member or something like that, who bother the hell out of them. Like it, when, <laughs> when, if you call and they don't answer, call them back. Like call them until they eventually either put their phone on silent or turn it off. Or till they finally answer and just be like, what do you want? Bro, I was just calling to check on you. I, I hadn't heard from you. Called you once or twice. You didn't answer. Send them a text message. Leave a voicemail. When you show a person that you care so much that you're willing to blow their phone up, eventually, that, that, that's, that in itself is enough light for a person to see and say, you know what? I don't care what's going on. At least this one person cares. I, I want to thank you for that because I will be honest, I'm not good at that. I suck at that. Matter of fact, I'm the type that I'm not. I'm not gonna chase a person. And if I call you, you don't answer. I give you another ring, you know, later on down the line. But if I get the same results, I'm not gonna keep reaching out. I don't like to chase people. But I have to take into consideration not everybody's uh, in the same headspace as me. We don't all deal with the same situation, same problems. Um, so you you gotta just if it's truly about showing that you care. You got to put forth more effort. So I want to say thank you on that. And uh, amongst all, above all of that, I want to thank you for being here, giving us some insight um, and being transparent with our, with our audience. Um, I want the world to know, man, I love you. I love you too, brother. You know, and that's that's fine, perfectly fine for two men to say that to each other, especially since we family. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> but no, man, you know, give people their flowers, their roses while they're here. Don't wait till they're gone. Um, on behalf of... I am Wolf Podcast. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, subscribe, follow, share. Subscribe, follow, share. Simple as that. Um, spread the word, man. I am Wolf Podcast. The Wolster is out, man. Thank y'all. Love you. Junior. My own. Junior. Yes, ma'am. I need you to go down to the store and give me some more chicken breasts. You ain't got no money right now, Big Mama. You ain't got no money. No, ma'am. You know I ain't got no money, Big Mama. I ain't got no job. I guess you ain't got no chicken sandwich either then, do you? Oh. Seems like a lot of people don't have their chicken sandwiches, but Big Mama does. If you remember to go get that pack of chicken that we told you about, make sure you go get your pack of chicken, preferably boneless, Bring it back on the Big Mamas and watch how she fries you up a perfectly good chicken sandwich on a nice piece of white bread. That's right, because at Big Mama's house, all sandwiches are made on white bread. Ain't no other option. Make sure you go see Big Mama. And don't forget the hot sauce.